0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan and I are joined today by Chris De La Rosa from Hunter's Entertainment. We have been spending the last month talking about Altered Carbon, the RPG that was recently released by Hunter's Entertainment, and we are super excited about this game and really excited to have Chris join us to talk about this game because, holy crap, this thing looks awesome. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Chris, real quick, why don't you tell our audience who you are and what you do at Hunter's Entertainment?
1: Um, well, I'm head of development, so anything that is being developed currently, I uh, have to put my hands on somehow. Um, either I okay the process that's being there, or I'm actually the one writing and designing it. Um, with the, the current one we're doing right now is uh, Ragnarok, which is more uh, my partner Ivan Van Norman's project. I'm just there to kind of guide the process and, and to break it mechanically so it actually functions when it gets to the market. Um, so Altered Carbon was pretty much m- my design from start to finish, both stylistically and mechanically. Um, but my background on that is I actually was on uh, the marketing team for the Altered Carbon TV show. So I'm pretty familiar with the style. <laughs> so it was easy for me to roll on into that. Uh, and getting approvals was always really super simple for that. But, um, but, yeah, so basically what I do is I just make sure if, it, if it's something that's going to market with our brand on it, I gotta have eyes on it. That's pretty much the, the extent of my my uh, my role there. Awesome, and you've worked on other programs for Netflix as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a ton. Um, I used to work there in house, but that was actually predating their, Well, that was just as their original programming started to get kicked off. Like at the time, it was just um, uh, they were just starting to advertise House of Cards, but they had um, Hemlock Grove was the only one at the time. So it was kind of an, it was kind of a niche thing back then. Um, but then I, you know, fast forward to when pro, the original program became a huge thing. I was at a marketing agency and Netflix was their, one of their bigger clients. And I was for a while, the only designer there who was on Netflix's team. So I was the only one doing this stuff. And then they had to stab up like crazy because they started making a lot of originals. But um, I mean, most of the shows and, uh, that came out, I the originals, I mean, uh, I, I did some work for uh, just by making it billboards or posters and things like that Yeah, it's marketing you know, it's marketed, you know less glamorous but more fun. It's, it's fun to be in that
0: i, I would imagine it is i mean because i was looking at your background and it's like you've worked on a lot of the marvel stuff yeah. for for netflix of course ultra carbon stranger things mm-hmm. there's a lot a lot of stuff especially in this genre of gaming that or Uh, well maybe i should say nerd that you've been involved in and it's it's pretty cool
1: yeah i don't want to put myself as like a comic book guy i'm really not um i do like the netflix marvel shows quite a lot but that's the extent of my knowledge and some of them like i I didn't even know iron fist existed until i did the the localization for it. it's like oh that's a thing i had to figure out um but um yeah i think with the exception of daredevil i did uh, which they had a very tight team doing that, and I wasn't involved in that at all. Um, but you know, Luke Cage is a lot of fun, and then Jessica Jones is great, and so is, and Defenders is pretty good too. Um, stuff like that, you know, that I've been just involved with the marketing, and you treat it like anything else. Like not everything you that comes over your uh, that comes across your plate, you have intimate knowledge, of, uh, uh, intimate knowledge of. Um, like I did some stuff on Punisher, but not a lot. Um, so it's it's like you just kind of apply a formula of design to make sure everything meets the market standards that they have, which are very high. Um, and that's kind of been the extent of my relationship there.
0: So how did you get started in gaming?
1: I mean, I've always been doing gaming. I think, honest to be honest, the reason I started writing games is because I wasn't smart enough to play them. Because um, when I was a, a little kid, I got the D&D second ed manuals, and um, I didn't have that cool older brother or that neat cousin or... Or, or a weird neighbor that didn't that taught you these things i just had to figure it out on my own and back then i did you know barely even knew algebra at that age so trying to figure that out when you have nobody to tell you how to do it it's like i wanted to play it so badly because i was a huge fantasy nerd but i couldn't do it and so i said well fine i'll just adapt a game i can figure out and then i just added that to the star wars rpg to like to uh fantasy setting with mixed success um but then after that i just figured out there's a there's a, a pattern you can apply to make things uh, make things that way and so when it came to um outbreak and Dev, which is their first published product um you know zombies were really big back then and we were looking at the market and we didn't see any competition for a zombie survival games like this seems weird it's a big deal why doesn't anyone jump on this i mean there are products out there but they were out of print for a couple of years so it's like okay we could do this and so it kind of slowly dawned on us and i don't even know when that conversation actually happened or, or what that when that that switch was flipped but when it came apparent to us that we could actually make that happen um we just did it because i was a an okay artist i knew a little bit about InDesign and writing and had a lot of friends who were passionate about testing it or playing it rather and so just by virtue of those things all kind of converging we made it and we were at a point where a hardcover book from an 80 publisher was very rare. Um, little things like being able to take credit cards at the convention floor, which nowadays is not a big deal, but back then you had to have a, set up a merchant account and stuff like that. Like There's a lot of things that we did that were above and beyond an indie publisher, and we, we did very well from that. And so after that, people started taking this pretty seriously, and then we were developing more and more after that. And I mean that's kind of the, the, the genesis of Hunter's entertainment in general. Back then it was Hunter's books, but we um, have since incorporated. Uh, so yeah, does that answer your question? Sorry, it's kind of meandering. a meandering way to
0: Oh no, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. <Okay. laughs> so obviously we want to talk about altered carbon sure. because again, Nolan and I are both a big fan of the game and this in the series. Um, so it, it blows me away that there's the possibility that people don't know what altered carbon is. So in your words, tell us what is altered carbon?
1: Um, I call it a, a, a soft dystopian transhuman um, science fiction. Um, I say soft dystopia because the, 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 the hard, it's a feeling like more like a 40K grimdark sort of dystopia. Like Obviously, that's a dystopia. Everyone's worked into a meat grinder and then they they're throwing bullets on each other and and then they're dying just just to cling to life that to me is like a pretty uh on the nose sort of dystopia. what i think i like about Alter carbon's version of dystopia is that every, it's like you kind of get everything you ask for but then it turns out be really bad um and so i think that sort of um more see i can't even compare it to other science fiction because if i do that because it is his own thing you know Altered Carbon as a book first, so it kind of establishes, it wasn't the first uh, cyberpunk by any stretch, but it's certainly one that kind of explored the subject as being something that was, well, the the broader impact on society, I think, is a, a, an interesting take on it. And I think that was, to me, the part that intrigued me the most about Altered Carbon as a setting, um, because yeah, you can get, you can have like you can be resleeved like or a second life like you're in a video game but what's that happen if you're actually if that's the reality for you it's actually not that good um or this the the broader so- social impact of that was i think a lot more um, intriguing of a subject and so it was like a sci-fi setting game in the sense that you can just make you know endless amounts of tech widgets to make it fun which always are fun but then it comes to the fact of if you can be one shoted pretty easily, which in this game you actually can be. Um, what's that do to you? Like, does Where do you get put in after that? Do you go into some compulsory sleeve, or do you have a backup, or something like that? It's it's like it, 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 it's interesting, because you're engaging the world in a way that's, I think, a little bit more substantive than um, just having a, a cool uh, tech system or a combat system. Sorry um, if that doesn't answer your question, <laughs> but um, <laughs> OK. No, no, you're doing great. Okay, okay.
2: We talked about it a lot as, uh, the lack of maybe not necessarily happiness, but like real happiness. And we kind of, yeah. I keep coming back and comparing it to, you know, everybody says, oh, you're going to go bungee core jumping. Well, make sure you do that before you go skydiving, because once you've experienced that, everything else is meh and you know here it's like okay so what 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 is what is happiness you know what is it you know we're getting excited to watch the super bowl or whatever well there's people that can go in and experience what it was like to be tom brady and have that feeling and have that emotion so what do what do people live for i guess in altered carbon is it all just i think that's like the most depressing thing is you can go find artificial happiness but what's the drive what's the thing and you kind of mentioned the meat grinder a little bit and that really sums it up a lot for me too but
1: I think thing reference to forty k, but I think when I think I, I agree with you completely that it's when you're able to simulate the most amazing version of happiness that you could imagine, um, then what's left for you? And I think the endless the endless parade of like what's the word I'm looking for. Like, I have it in the book written like this, but it's forgive me, I'm in my words now. But basically, all these all these things are being available to you. Like half the half the value of some of this stuff is its exclusivity, or that it's or its uh, scarcity. When it's available in a quantity that you can just you know have at any uh, any amount, then it either has to be ratcheted up in intensity to kind of trigger your, your dopamine receptors again, or it has to be um, you have to be saturated with it. Even then, it becomes your normal. Path. And so I think one of the interesting things about the lore is that you know the, the tetrameth has varying extremes. And then just trying to figure out well, where did that come from? What was it? What we, we, we have meth version one what are they at in, in, instead of ultra carbon? And and I believe they said I think five or six. And it's like how can you how can you even begin to imagine what that's like? Um, and how will they not kill you for one? Um, if that's if that's the intensity it's at. But I mean obviously and I think a lot of the stuff is written. Not knowing it would be as popular as it was because a lot of popes in that sort of thing they just kind of throw stuff out there just to kind of play with the thing. You know, the fact that you have like, oh yeah, humans can talk to whales. Moving on, it's like wait, I think we should go back and talk about that a little bit more. That seems like a kind of a big deal. What do whales have to say? Um, but so he just kind of, you know, RKM just kind of dropped that stuff. Richard came over with the author. Um, he kind of dropped that stuff with there and just kind of moved on, moved on. And so it's like, yeah, this version, you know, meth. TetraMeth or Meth 5.0, just like moving on to what, explore the implications of that just a little bit. And then, like I said, I think uh, the popularity of it got away from it. Then all of a sudden you have, to, you have to go, us, you know, people who are fans, have to go back and kind of explain it as if it makes sense You know as a, you know, a through line. As a game developer, that's a lot of fun. We're trying to figure out how everything's supposed to actually mechanically make sense when you try to scale things. Um, that doesn't always work, but, you know, it was a lot of fun to figure out.
0: It's interesting that you said that RKM does that because as someone who's reading the novels, I've read the first one and mostly through the second one. Now mm-hmm. there's a couple times where there's something gets mentioned. I'm like, wait, where, where was that? And why aren't we going further with this? Um, so yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious though. What, what prompted you guys to decide this show should be a game?
1: I mean, there's the less glamorous example answer. Um, the, 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 the... The one that people liked here is that we just really liked the setting, which is true. I mean, everything about the setting is is interesting to explore. But you know, when it's when in the, the world of licenses, you don't always get what you you see. What's available, and then you see, and you choose among those options. And in the you know, in hindsight, I I uh, I have. I think we should have gone like this. Wasn't it wasn't our first choice, but it should have been. And that's the fun thing: when you realize that we got we we should have had what we wanted in the first place. Um, so we just saw what licenses were available, the Alter Carbon's one. And um, it's like, oh yeah, let's just try that because we were all familiar with it, so we knew what we were getting into. So I think the reason we chose it is because one, it was available as a license, and two, we all like the setting and we figured we could do it. I mean, so we were all very and plus I was right off <clears throat> sorry. Now <clears throat> I was just coming off doing a bunch of marketing on the show. So I knew for me the visual style would translate really <laughs> easily. Um, so we had a serious amount of inroads to make that actually happen. So we, we made, we basically took the best of our available, um, resources and put an end to this to make it actually work. And that's the reason why we chose.
0: I love looking through the book because it really does feel like sometimes that I'm actually watching the show because there's so much similar artwork mm-hmm. in the book as well as the show so great great job on the layout by the way there I didn't feel like there was any wasted space I, I come from a 15 year newspaper background oh. so I, I look at the book and I look for white space a lot and there's been several books where Nolan and I'll complain well I'll complain to Nolan <laughs> about the misuse of white space and this book is very well laid out so gr- great job on that well,
1: thank- <laughs> Thank you. I had to help up with a template to make it actually uh, mechanically consistent, but we had a lot of support from from Skydance. Uh, they had all their concept art ready for us. Um, we could pull stills from the show, and my background is has a lot of photo compositing, so making that stuff was pretty easy for me. Uh, but yeah, we had a lot of help with that. And the artists, of course, are all incredible. The ones we brought up to do original pieces, um, either they were stellar compositors above and beyond what I can do, um, and I've been doing it for quite a while. Or they're just top-notch digital artists in general. Um, so we got a lot of um, a lot of uh, help to make this thing look th- as as impressive as it does.
0: Yeah, it's very visually pleasing and stimulating. So really good job on that. Thanks. I, I know the show was very successful on Netflix, um, but at any point. As as you guys launched this on Kickstarter, was there any, or I shouldn't even say as you launched it, but as you were preparing to launch it, was there any trepidation? Was there any thought that, you know, we know it's popular, but this game might not be well-received. It may not
1: fund. I think when you're in business, you have to be a bit of a sociopath that you don't kind of, you don't, that stuff doesn't really occur to you. And so we've done this long enough to know kind of what does work. Now, the fact that it was an original system, that was a little bit of a, a big question mark. But I think, with deference to the to the um, to the setting, there was no no uh, mechanical apparatus we could have used that existed that we could adapt to make it work quite the same way. And so we, it actually demanded its own separate system to actually make it work. So the as far as that goes, you know, we had to be very careful with the mechanics, and of course we we're very concerned about it when, we were, when we we're making it. So we had people test it. and my my instructions were them or to the testers were break this thing um and some did but we we and some things were like well that's an exploitation that's that's necessary for this game to make work it makes sense or um that was an oversight let's fix it so if it was any kind of apprehension it was that because stylistically we knew that we could do it because i had worked on the show itself um or the marketing for the show itself rather um and we had the we had uh, a lot of people bought up support behind it to make sure that there wasn't a lot of mistakes from uh, mechanically speaking. So I mean, I mean, the short answer is no. We weren't really worried about it. We were, we're First off, we weren't worried it wasn't going to fund. We set the threshold pretty low. Well. That's pretty standard when it comes to. Um, uh, we'd be surprised if we hit that, but we had to actually convince Skydance that, that was a tactical move that was that made sense. Like, why are you setting the, the the funding at, two, at twenty thousand? It's like, well, trust us on this. It makes sense. Um, so that. Aside from having to convince Skydance, the the license holder, that our strategies were uh, going to work, because they were new to this. They were completely new to this whole thing. We were even we were, doing it for a while. So we had to basically convince them more than we had to convince ourselves and the audience um, that we could do a, a good job of it. Uh, but no, but, to, but also with, the, with all the, the art we had available to us. And um, honestly, the, the one thing we were worried about and uh, unfortunately has come to pass was that the... That season three was put on was putting on suspension because of the uh, COVID restrictions. They lost their ability to finance it because they relied on the tax breaks from Canada. And of course, that's the big deal when you're comfortable to a license product because you're basically tethered to the strength of that license. Now, thankfully, um, it's not gone away. You know, it's it's in a holding pattern. So that but that does mean the torch has been kind of passed to us to make sure it, it stays alive in the public imagination by making newer content with their supervision, uh, theirs meaning guidance and supervision, obviously. We take that very seriously um, because that's kind of the situation we're all in. You know, they've lost a, a show that was prominent for them. Um, when I say lose, I mean, they, it wasn't that they just stopped production, they didn't like lose it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff we can start, we are more concerned about. And now that we're having to deal with it, we're seeing, I mean, it doesn't change our planning. We're still going forward with the amount of stuff we're going to do. But it's just unfortunate to know that we don't have we don't we don't to like we don't get to confer with them as much as we used to because we were, were reading the scripts from season two we're seeing what we're gonna do uh, to to get ahead of things to, you know there's a few pieces of gear in um, in the book that were only visually represented in season two they're described in the book someplace but their their descriptions there was something that was a, a an echo of season two but we only knew that because we saw the scripts and we're talking with them about it. So we're missing, we missed that kind of interaction because they've been very good, good to us with that. Um, but other than that, you know, we weren't really worried at all. You know, we were pretty confident with what we had.
0: Nolan, I've been dominating here. If you have any questions, just jump right in.
2: Oh, I, uh, I, I guess uh, one of the questions that I had that came up and you've kind of touched on a little bit is the playtesting and the breaking of the system. Um, I've got a friend who does video game stuff and he talks about getting to build those boundaries and, you know, in in that scenario, people are usually trying to find a competitive edge or something like that. So they are trying to find loopholes. Um, and you talked about the the testing. How how much testing goes into that? Do you guys have a time frame? Do you put it out to a bunch of people and get back results, or are you guys pretty tight lipped on this and close quarters?
1: Um, we have a we have a stable of people we go to when it comes to the sort of thing the, whose opinion we trust. Um, and we gave it to them for. for I would say a soft test for about a year, but about, I would say maybe six to eight months of that was really more serious than the than the full, because, pardon me, um, because the mechanical version of it has went through some changes from even when it was at, um, we premiered at the convention at uh, Gen Con uh, uh, prior, um, but we couldn't even like, do much with it because we didn't have approval with skydance at the time like we we, we had the license obviously but the visual like art we couldn't let like, just say here's some characters she's can they ought to be very bare bones we actually got some flack on reddit for how little we were able to show I'm like ah, guys that's all we could do um so back then it was a lot more mechanically crunchy um if you can believe it if you're not a fan of the crunches there um but we found people and what my, my rule of thumb is if people are shorthanding handing rules um, and they still work the shorthanded version is the one you should go with even if you have to meander around to get to the same thing, the the you know the, the straight line is always better. And so when I saw people kind of straight straightlining consistently, especially when uh, when Ivan was doing it uh, when he was running some game sessions himself, um, he thought he was doing it by the book, but the fact is he was straight. He was he was uh he was circumventing a, a whole step of the rules. I'm like, you know what? So there's enough people doing that. Maybe that's just the rules. And that's kind of how things turned out. Um. So that kind of happy situation is. Um, rare because when you see that, when you have a, such a clear um, ex, uh, example of that, you can just kind of do it. The hard thing is when you start getting the the interaction, the the alchemy of it, if you will, the reactions of one rule to another, and if they intersect at a certain point in a way you didn't see it, and that kind of breaks the game, then you're screwed. So uh, if you're if, you've, if you''re familiar yourself with the game, there's not a lot of stuff that provides a lot of mechanical bonuses most of the tiers of abilities involve a narrative advantage of some kind um and i think the reason and uh the the reason being is that if we add too much mechanics there's too more things to trip up and so much of this game is um the noir storytelling element to it um and this isn't exactly a storytelling system per se but that's a part of the setting you can't get around and that was and I think, and I don't want to answer a question you're not asking. So I think that's, um, I think that might be good enough so you can keep going. Sorry.
2: Oh, I, I I like it. And I felt like that just from the reading of, you know, the first time I was like, guys, like, oh, cool, I get to roll D4s and I don't ever get to roll D4s. I wonder if this is why they came up with the system. And then as I started getting into the mechanics of like, this is, I mean, the story side of it seemed to come up. You don't get bogged down in the rolls. Uh, the combat in it, I think, is maybe the slowest part, but it also, Seems like the most deadly part and you want to avoid it at a cost as well. Um is there Go a ahead. madness to the D4s other than it's a dice you never get to roll, or was that just one of those systems <laughs> well, that you said from the start?
1: It, well if you're if you're saying that then you're gonna love Ragnarok because that's all they use. It's all D4s. Um and Rotten and nox can talk about that if he gets on here. But um I mean, the their answer is we want it was a polyhedral that scaled appropriately. I mean it was it was there because why not? You know, you have it, a lot of people have them to use, may as well use them. That's that was pretty much the only uh, consideration. We we're trying to, we were trying to be different in that respect. You know, we're just trying to use what's there. Um, as far as the the, the the come up being the slowest part, I'm glad you pointed it out because that was a very much a deliberate choice. Because when the setting is a lot of um, exploration of character, a lot of Try to figure out a, a mystery of some kind with lots of plot twists. If you're a combat character and your stuff is fast and deadly but lasts five minutes, what are you doing the rest of the time? And not everyone's Takashi Kovac. You're not like good at everything for some reason, because you're an envoy. Um, like not every, I mean, that's not every player character. In fact, you should never really encounter that level of, of, of sophistication outside of high-level settings. So the question became, well, what, what do? you What do the soldier characters do? What do the muscle characters do? And if their stuff lasts so briefly, then, you know, then they're sitting around for most of the table session until the next combat happens. And that that was was what I was talking about before, you know, having the, the, there's no setting that exists, there's no mechanical apparatus that existed that I think supported the setting properly. I think that was one of the main reasons why, because the action was very much a part of it. It was also informed very much by, the story that went behind it and so if you're able to manipulate a story as being an influencer character then um then the combat characters have to also have to feel like they can really get into the the, the nitty-gritty of it so that was a ex- extremely much very much a deliberate choice on our part to make it that way and plus if your narrative character is stuck in combat that's not your strength you should be able to talk your way out of it or or narrate your way out of it, and I think that was also an important consideration too. Because if you're a socialite and you have gotten crossfire, chances are you're not going to be doing too well. But yeah. So combat for for ultra carbon is meant to be more strategic because we want to give them. It's it's not just that you're good at, it, but explaining how you're good at it is also a lot of fun too.
2: We we've done a lot of vampire, and that is one of those things of you're you're frail, right? You're like you said, you're not in plate armor getting slashed for eight damage 55 times before you die over the course of you know two minutes it's you've got to protect it like get like you said getting caught in the crossfire as a socialite is like the last thing you possibly want you're usually out the back door and letting somebody else deal deal with that so i, I, I it does have that feeling of let's let's everybody calm down a little bit we don't we've got stuff to lose
1: right and, and the lethality of some of the attacks with weapons in the setting too like the particle blaster. So, <laughs> you get hit with it if even a decent hit, you're, you're out probably. I mean, and that's that's setting realistic. That's just how powerful these weapons happen to be. So I'm not going to nerf it for the sake of being able to trade particle blaster shots back and forth. That seems ridiculous to me. Um, it also seems to betray the the sheer the, the sheer power of some of these things that are meant to be. Um, you know, the some of the stuff was in the the books and unfortunately not in the show was when Trep descended upon the. Uh, the carnage's ring and just and I think I'm quoting, you know, I'm paraphrasing, hosing it with blaster fire, which is so basically, I had two modes of fire. It was like either, I'm sorry, um, Trip wasn't doing it. Trip had a canister rifle, and was basically shooting into the crowd, basically a grenade launcher, and uh, Batista was hosing the the, the ground level with, with with blaster fire, which is like a, which had basically two stages between like a laser cannon and a flamethrower, which to me is like that's so cool. <laughs> Why would you not want to use that all the time? Um, but that wasn't in the, in the show, unfortunately. But you know, stuff like that is in the setting because it's in the books, so at least so it's, it's fair game. So we have stats for these things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the the fun tech stuff is a lot of the the, uh, the arms race. Literally, is a lot of fun to play with too. But that's why we had to have uh, to the, the wealth level system, as opposed to like, oh, this costs ten thousand dollars, or this like it's so arbitrary. So having it just be relative to your ability to procure. Equipment generally, to me, seems more co- more. Um, it fits the study more as being like a, a storytelling thing. You're not worried about the dollars and cents of it. Like, yeah, I should be able to get this, and that's actually very much a uh, a uh, world of darkness inspired thing because uh, I like the way I like the way they handled um, procuring equipment. I thought it was eighty percent there as far as how detailed it could have been. I think what I would what I did. Um, and what I had lined up for a werewolf to do once, you know, when we had that license, um, was to basically take it the rest of the way, very similarly to how Ultra Carbon did it. Um, because that's it's narrative enough, it's also restrictive enough to keep it so that you have really cool things, but relative to your, your position in the world, uh, both economically and uh, socially.
0: I-, I wanted to talk briefly, if you could, Chris. Uh, and you can be very vague and, and just give us a brief overview on, because you've mentioned a couple times that the mechanics in Alter Carbon are different than other games. And I know that Alter Carbon very much has the, the uh, uh, stat high roll low. Uh, rolling a one in Alter Carbon is a really good thing. Um, so I was wondering if you could just touch briefly on some of the mechanics and how those were developed.
1: Sure. Um, I know that with with, I mentioned before how deadly some of the stuff is in this game. Um, the ability, the, the power scaling would just go off the rails if it was a if it was positively informed. So having things done negatively informed actually keeps a pretty tight window of results that you can possibly get based on the dice you're rolling. So the idea behind it was that in a place where things could go completely crazy. Now, Grant, be going completely crazy, in, you know, in a rift sort of way has got its own fun too. Uh, don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about having things restricted to, um, as it's presented in a, a world that's already defined by the by a license, um, you have to keep guardrails up pretty tightly. And the only way you could figure out to do that, given the extraordinary damage that some things could do, and the and the extraordinary wealth disparity between the haves and the have-nots in this setting in particular, um, you needed to have very strong limiting factors to kind of represent that, because the the wealth of the meth like. If you were a meth character, which you can be in the game with you know obviously knowing that it will basically distort the entire game to make them the main characters more or less, um the the wealth they have access to basically eclipses anything that any other player or character can get. So having things that can restrict die rolls and restrict um, the results of things to kind of keep things in a meaningful range, it it's easier for players to kind of wrap their heads around mechanically. Because um, if it's just bonus stacked on bonus stacked on bonus stacked on bonus, that becomes its own sort of madness. And while you could do it that way, and there was a version of that that kind of played with that as as an example, it became apparent really quickly that that's what the game became about. And I think that was uh, detracted from the setting quite a bit. Um, so a lot of the increased dials were replaced by just a point resource, um, you know, like the influence points is, points in particular, um, and the the. The SP stack points is basically a deliberately a holdover from Outbreak Undead, uh, but it seemed to work too. Um, so that that was the same thing, the thinking behind it, and I I, I think it's uh, proven pretty well because no one's been able to really demonstrate to me that has been faulty. I mean, they may not have liked it, but it's it's it served the purpose it was meant to. And that's all i needed
0: to do i like the specializations i was reading through like especially with um, firearms in particular because that was referenced quite a bit in the book uh how yes you can be good at firearms but you can be specialized in say pistols and and i like and, and it really reminded me of world of darkness where yes you're good in firearms but you're really good at this type of firearm so yeah when you're using that firearm you get that bonus and i, I really i really enjoyed that well, thank you um, I, I do want to know with with uh the Kickstarter being successful. I know there's some other things that are working that are being worked on as part of the stretch goals. Can you touch on some of those? Yeah, we
1: have a bunch of uh, campaign settings that are being developed. Um, We're going more for world building stuff than uh, than anything else. And so the first thing that's going to be released is basically confidential, which a part of it is available for free as part of like the introduction, like the how to play stuff. That's like one like. Two thirds of one third. I don't know how the math on that, but the, the basically confidential is three main parts that can be played independently. The part that's available for free now, um, that's like uh, two thirds of one of those pieces. Um, so the rest of the story can be it can be one gigantic arc if you want to play it that way, or it can be little vignettes within the scope of larger story of your own design. So it's it's an unusual structure. I haven't seen too many. Examples of that kind of thing being done that wasn't strictly a choose or an adventure sort of structure, um, which is it's not really. But there are other things that can inform the the developments in other settings within the same um, within the same story, uh, so to speak. Um, So basically, Confidential takes place uh, about 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 a month after the events of the 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 show and book Alter Carbon. Um, So basically, the, the 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 fallout from those events described somewhat in the book actually um but we need to really we really decide to play you know meanwhile in Base city this other thing was happening um and so it, it references like tanaka is like the only character from the show that actually makes any kind of appearance whatsoever because his disappearance was not really explained um so we had to ask if we could use him um from Skydance they said sure um so that's basically confidential just exploring another like the the it's like a season 1.2 uh, of Alter Cover, but it doesn't use Takashi Kovacs at all. It's basically all like ancillary characters. So there's that. That's the first one. And then the other ones are are location specifically. Like we, have, we have one that's Osaka, which takes place in Osaka, Japan. Um, we have Birmingham uh, in England. And we have uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And we're uh, the, the the big feather in our cap, morally we're proud of the writers we have because they are all either extraordinarily familiar with it, having lived there or are currently living there. So we're having locals write stuff for their, um, for the setting who are both fans of Altered Carbon and know the lore enough, and also are living and breathing the environments that they're trying to write about. And I think that's gonna let, add a level of, of um, Authenticity and depth that you wouldn't it's you know, get to me just doing research on the internet to say, oh well, this happened in Johannesburg here, this happened then, and then have it intersect at some point. <clears throat> in in, in gaming cases, I think that's um, would be a huge betrayal of of the potential that we have available to us. Knowing in a world in the world where you can actually reach out and, and find people like this, why wouldn't you take that take advantage of that? And so we have. So those are the three settings. Uh, I think the order um, off the top of my head, I believe. Um, Birmingham is next and Osaka and then Johannesburg is last. We are working on other ones too after that, but they're, we haven't got those approved by Skydance yet, so we can't go really talk about them yet. But those are the, the, those are the ones that are on the docket that we have announced that are in production right now in various stages, obviously.
0: Is there going to be any looking back, and, and, and I guess this really depends on if Skydance approves, uh, to look at uh, some of the past stuff like in in I think that's how you say it. Um, and I know Kovach talks about that a lot in the show or in the... Um, the books and then um also like do you hope for expansions for like harlan's world
1: we talked about harlan's world particularly yeah. actually so we, we had that that was one of the ones that were post kickstarter launch ones we're going to do um but then we found out that season two was going to be exclusively on harlan's where we kind of take a wait and see approach to see what they did with it uh, because if we were to wrote it from what we knew from the books um and even if we had the stuff from the scripts we had at the time, because we didn't get the last two scripts until far later, <clears throat> the last two episodes rather, um, we would have been way off from what the the production of the brand was gonna go. So the the before stuff and the and the posts and the post Harlandswood stuff or that stuff, that to me is fun to explore. That's where we have the, the most difficulty with the licensor, though, because that's where they made the most um breaks from the original literary setting, um, you know, the, the nature of the envoys, who they were, what they did, um, and um, the nature of Hollywood not having the orbital platforms anymore, which is kind of like the defining thing that made that particular setting really cool. Now, granted, you can have things taking place before that moment in time, but you have to address it because that's that's canonical now. So, so it becomes a, a timeline issue, not just a matter of a campaign setting. So do you have it be when those those platforms are there, or afterwards. And afterwards, what's it look like? Because and at that, that at that point, it's pretty much like any other sci-fi colony world. Um, you know, there's and they have like I think they have Sanctum Four, um, where a lot of the second book takes place. That's a, a setting too. Um, so there's lots of places to go. But the more we butt heads with what they want to do with the show, um, even stuff for season three that was uh, that was um, a possibility they're looking to do. That's where we get the most pushback. And I think even if they don't see a direct contradiction, their they're, they're big concern as a as is us hemming us in, hemming them in by making a definitive statement, this is happening there, this is happening like this. And I think you'll notice if you read the, the, the game, when I talk about the envoys in particular, I say what they are very broadly, but then there's like basically a pull-down menu of, of envoy abilities you can check. And you'll notice that they're a, a mixture of the things that are from the show and from the books and you can kind of pick your pick from among them depending on which one you want to gravitate towards more so both are addressed but neither is said no it's only the book way or no it's only the show way um even though we have to defer the show before anything in the books by by the virtue of our, our agreement um so does that answer your question sorry again i me entered a bit
0: oh abs- absolutely no no it's great i if people are interested in purchasing the game, I know they can get it on Drive RPG. Where are some other places? Is it in local game stores yet, or is it only purchasable online? No, it's
1: it's it's uh it's been shipped out. Alliance has their their copies. They're using their extraordinarily speedy network to even get stuff before some more backers did, unfortunately, which is very very shameful on our part. Um, but no, they're they're basically they're basically showing up in stores right now. We're we're seeing pictures. We've we've heard about it. Um. So yeah, the, the Alliance has had it for a while. They all everyone got their stock at the same time. They shipped out as fast as they could go. Um so that does mean the 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 distri- the main distributors have it. So if you have a, a game store that keeps up with stuff like this, then yeah, they'll have it. Or you can ask them to order it for you. Or you can order it on Renegade's site or our site, you know. It's all the same mass more or less.
0: Well, cool. Chris, I don't want to keep it too long because we do want to get Knox on the show and talk about Gods of Metal. Um, Nolan, do you have anything else for Chris before we cut him loose and bring Knox in?
2: I, You know, the only question I have is uh, you kind of spurred the question of seeing these things brought forward uh, in the big scope of things. Is there a setting or something that you love that you wish would come to tables of like people, whether it's movie or book or... Uh, you know, My big example is I loved EverQuest back in the day, and I thought that translated well to a, a type of game. Is there something that you say that should be in people's hands, or are, do you get to do that now and can't talk about it?
1: Um, I, I'm sort of, I do understand the question. Is there a setting I'd like to explore in a game?
2: You guys get to, like, you guys brought Altered Carbon forward to the tabletop thing. Uh, is there something out there that you're like, you know, we, we're seeing He-Man, we're seeing Avatar, we're seeing some of that stuff?
1: Oh, as a licensed property? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Man, we 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 have to see what we have available testers before we even dream big like that. Um, I mean, we've we've had a few that we've had pass, and we just either said pass because we had no interest in it. But the ones we really like <clears throat> are being done by other people. Like I, I had my eye on the um for for a long time, almost since the very beginning. I had my eye on the um the Dishonored setting. I love the hell out of that game. Um, but someone someone else is doing. It. I forgot. I think it was Modiphius, or I, I I don't know who's doing it. More power to them. Forgetting that, but you know, I I, I liked making your own original settings because you have it develops the way you want to. And granted, there's lots of stuff out there that you like, <clears throat> but you can just always you know use it as inspiration. You know that that was the idea. You know D and D inspiration from everything in, in the appendix N. You know, Moorcock and you had uh, who else was there? You know, Tolkien was in there too, of course. Um, but you look advance, obviously. You know, they, they were inspired by something. And so, there's nothing wrong with making your own stuff that's inspired by somebody else, and I think that's kind of our, our um, going to be our, our uh, main focus, especially when it comes to rag rock. Obviously, that's inspired by metal, uh, and in the culture surrounding it, I think that's going to be exciting for us. So, we're looking to do things that are that bring us that kind of joy, uh, that inspire us as creators, as opposed to saying, "Well, that's popular. Let's try that," uh, because that's something we're going to do in the future for sure. But I think it's time to dial back and make sure we find what you know what makes us happy, so we can translate that sort of enthusiasm to our fans who who have grown to appreciate the things that we do. Um, and I think that's a good enough segue to Knox uh, talking about records that can yeah. come up with. So. Um, <laughs> Thanks uh, for having
0: Yeah, me good, on. good job there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you thank thanks you, for joining us, Chris. We really appreciate it. Guys, check out Altered Carbon. Like I said, we've been talking about it for the last month. It is a fantastic game, and we highly recommend it. Chris, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Take care, guys.